Welcome to the Cherry Hill Sermon Podcast. The following message is part of a sermon series called The Blessing. Together we're learning the importance of giving the gift of unconditional love and acceptance. Thanks for joining us today. Help me with this little saying. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You believe that? We're going to talk about words today, and we're in this series called The Blessing. And if you haven't been with us, two weeks ago, Pastor Gary Nelson, my dad, kicked off the series um, because 26 years before, he had actually taught on this same theme from the Bible. And um, some of you, I had a man even this morning tell me, I know you've already heard this a lot, but man, oh man, did your dad help me when he spoke a couple weeks ago. So here's what I want to say. If you listen to no other message in this series, I'd highly recommend you listening to that on our website from a couple weeks ago, because he introduced this theme. What do we mean, the blessing? If you study the Bible... You will find this word blessed, depending on the translation you're studying. If you do a word search on it, you'll you'll find it anywhere from 100 to 500 different times in its usage. And there is a book that influenced my dad uh, 27 years ago when he and my mom read it together. It's a book called The Blessing by Gary Smalley and John Trent. They also eventually put together a website called theblessing.com. I've mentioned that. Uh, It hasn't been updated for three or four years, but still highly helpful. But the theme of this book is this, is that they discovered years ago that there was this family blessing that you find in the Old Testament and even in places hinted at in the New, where one father would pass on a blessing to a child, the next generation. And if you study that in the Bible, there were different elements that made up that blessing. And so they went on to say, what would it look like if you and I, whether we've experienced the blessing or not, could learn to receive it and then give it uh, as we grow in Christ? And what would that look like? And so we're thinking a lot about that. And so uh, normally we walk our way through a book of the Bible. You know we've been going through Luke. We'll return to that this fall. But right now we want to study a major theme in the Bible. So forgive me for not necessarily saying open your Bible to a certain text. I'm going to actually point to us a number of texts that talk on this today. But I, I pray that you will sense as I have that the Lord wants us to look at this theme right now not just so that we can live out of the security of that personally, but that we will live out of the vision that he has that as we live with a sense of being blessed by our Heavenly Father and even earthly loved ones, that we can then be the blessing to someone that we meet wherever we may go. And that's my prayer. And the last week of this series, we're gonna, it's a seven-week series, we're gonna actually talk about how we as a church family can not only know the blessing, but give the blessing and practice that together. So if you're following along in the notes, here's just a simple definition of the blessing. It's words and actions that convey affirmation. It's words and actions that convey affirmation. So some of you are sitting here saying, so like, is this the blessing series? Is this gonna be a family series? Yes and no. 
It's going to be something that hopefully that will touch our families and improve our families. But whether you're married or not, whether you have children or not, God wants each of us to know the blessing so we can give the blessing. In fact, that's the series sentence. Do you mind if we put that up there? And uh, as we put this on the screen, I want to just ask if you would actually say this with me out loud. Let's just affirm it together. In Christ, God wants each of us to know the blessing so we can give the blessing. And uh, again, notice this, if you're following along, um, that um, actually, if you'll be willing to turn your notes over, that's what I meant to say, sorry about that, is, is the five elements of the blessing that were pointed out in the book, The Blessing, are these. And again, these are found in the scripture. We talked about meaningful touch last week. That's the first of the five. Then spoken words. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about expressing high value next week, which is another thing related to spoken words. Picturing a special future and an active commitment. It's not just enough to express that through words. It's also important that we support uh, people uh, with our active commitment. So notice that those are five elements. We'll come back to the arrest on the back there in a little bit. But here's what I want you to see, that God has always been a God who communicates his blessing through words. So if you're following along, in the Bible, the blessing is verbalized and put into words. In the Bible, the blessing is verbalized and put into words, usually spoken, but also written. And this idea is, is that a blessing isn't actually fully a blessing until it's spoken. And God has spoken words of blessing many times. He is a God who wants to bless. And this is so important to understand because we're made in his image. And if he's a God who speaks words of blessing, being made in his image, he wants us not only to know how to receive those, but then to give them and other people in his name as well. So here's what I want you to see is that as we think about spoken words today, we talked about sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Be aware, if you're following along, of the power of words and their absence too. Be aware of the power of words and their absence too. I pray that today, as you think about this message, God will bring situations to your mind, people to your mind, that maybe he wants you to speak some kind of word of blessing to, either because you never have or because it's been a long time. That he'll help you if you're one of those people that is just easier for you to leave those words unsaid or to withhold words that he'll help you, that wherever your starting point is today, that you will know that even if you did not receive the blessing from your parents, God still wants you to know the blessing. He still wants to do a healing work in your life so that you can become a person who's able to give the blessing with his power and love. And some people say like, what's, you know, what's the word bless mean anyway? Because the Bible says we can actually bless God. It means to exalt. It means to appreciate. It means to praise. It means to value. And when you and I give the blessing, that's what we're doing both with him and other people. So this morning, I just thought it might be good for our own church family just to see one of our own. We're going to do this with lots of video snippets during this series. Kevin Elliott, some of you know, is the West Central Illinois Director of Fellowship of Christian Athletes. He and Tim 
and uh, his mother, uh, Linda, you know, started coming to this church back in the mid-90s. Now they are, Tim and him are married, and they have kids and things like that, but uh, they were pretty much raised by Linda, and their dad uh, kind of abandoned them when uh, they were younger, and so didn't grow up necessarily with that kind of situation. Linda has been an incredible prayer warrior, and uh, Kevin wanted me to make sure that you know that he is really appreciative of the role that his mom's played. But watch this as he shares the power of words. Good morning, everyone. You know, UCLA uh, legendary basketball coach John Wooden once said that coaches will impact more people in one year than most people will in a lifetime. And I would say for me, when I think about some of the most encouraging words that anybody's ever spoken to me, uh, was definitely from a coach. I was in high school, and uh, this coach that was not even my high school coach subbing in a class of ours one day and, and called me up to his desk, and I just thought he was going to have me run an errand for him, but he asked me to sit down. And for the next 10 or 15 minutes, uh, he talked with me just about a few different things that gave me so much confidence. He had seen me play some ball that I, I don't even know when or, or where, but had seen me play and just continued to um, encourage me and, and challenge me in some ways and told me that I had potential. And I'd never really had anybody do that before, to be honest, um, not growing up with a father who, who really gave that blessing uh, or those encouraging words that some people may have had. This coach uh, really took the time and was incredibly intentional about uh, calling me up and, and encouraging me in that way. And I remember walking away from that really just feeling like I had a new confidence that somebody, first of all, took the time to do that, but that somebody thought that about me. And so uh, it, was a, it was a key time in my life. And now in my role uh, in FCA, our main role is to encourage coaches first and to minister to them first. And so not only did that time give me confidence then, but I feel like my role in FCA now really evolved from, and, and that conversation had a lot to do with what I do now in FCA. And I'm thankful to God for that. Our, our job is to, to minister to coaches first, as I said, and, and then for those coaches then to encourage and minister uh, to the athletes that God has entrusted to them. And so I'm really thankful uh, for a coach that took time to, to step out and be intentional uh, to encourage me. So as we look at the message today, here's what I want us to think about is spoken or written words of affirmation and how we can practice them, what it would look in our lives. Before we do that, would you pray with me? Now, Lord, like Kevin was just saying, help us not to live reacting all the time. Teach us how to live more intentionally with you. And I pray that wherever anybody is as far as a starting point, that you would speak over them words of blessing, that whatever names they've been called, you put your name upon them, and that they would be able to live out of the richness of that fellowship and love with you. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, let's just talk about this together first. Spoken or written words of affirmation. The Bible, if you're following along, shows God and families giving them, giving words of affirmation, speaking them. The Bible shows God and family giving them. Did you know that both in the first and the last chapters of the Bible, Genesis 1, Revelation 22, God says blessed. He wants to bless. He, after he made the first human beings, 
He blessed them, the Bible said, and he spoke over them, be fruitful, multiply. I want you to know life in its fullness. And so he speaks that. The very uh, idea that he is a God who communicates through words of blessing like that. But also I've listed out to the right Genesis 24, 60. You can add Genesis 27, 27. But then in the first grade box, I've listed Genesis 48. Last week we talked about Jacob, who is sometimes called Israel that he blessed his grandchildren as well. He placed his hands on their heads. He hugged and kissed them. And uh, then he also spoke. And that's what we pick up this week here in Genesis 48, 20. Would you read it with me out loud? So he blessed them that day saying, God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And those were the names of his grandkids. And he was saying, may other people be the kind of people that God's gonna make you. And uh, he spoke those words. Next thing I want you to see, though, is that Jesus both hears and offers words of affirmation himself. Jesus both hears and offers or give spoken words of affirmation himself. Um, I don't know if you've ever understood this before, but down in that second grade box, we see in Matthew 3, one of a couple times that Jesus heard a voice from heaven speaking, and so did those around him. Would you read it with me in that second grade box from Matthew 3, 17? And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. The, the other time is in Matthew 17, 5, which Steve helped us see in Luke's gospel, uh, was during the transfiguration when Jesus was completely transfigured. He become as white as lightning for those moments where Peter, James, and John hit the deck and they realized they just got to see a glimpse of Jesus' glory that he had before he came to, to earth. And uh, a voice said, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Wow. Now, why would the Heavenly Father say words like that? Some people go, well, Jesus didn't need him. That was just, you know, perfunctory. No, I'll tell you, when you have a loving relationship, you do that. And also, he wanted to say, I want all of you to know, I affirm my son. And if God has that kind of heart, he's modeling to us. He wants us to be those kind of people. If we have children with children, if we have spouses with spouses, if we have friends, if we have coworkers, if we have brothers and sisters in Christ in the same church family, he loves it when we affirm people like he's affirmed people like that. But notice that also Jesus starts his whole Sermon on the Mount. One of the first times he opens his mouth in a public setting, the very first word out of his mouth is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he doesn't stop there, he does it again. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. On and on he went. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful. On and on. Blessed, he spoke words of blessing. And so the third thing I want you to see is that spoken or written words of affirmation are what we all long to hear from our loved ones. And I put here in quotation marks because we want to hear them written or spoken. They're all, all of us, we all long to hear these words from our loved ones. I was meeting with a small group of people yesterday as we were praying for our church family. I was talking about this subject. And I said, and someone said, people are starving nowadays for words like this. I said, really, do you really believe that? I said, why is that? They said, because you just don't hear them. 
barely at all. Cut downs, sarcastic remarks, cynical things have like taken over our culture. I remember when I was a youth pastor that we had a rule called the no cut down rule. Because kids were used to all the time in high schools and junior high where that was the way you were funny. And so I would say, look, I'm not against fun, but we're not going to do fun in a sarcastic cut down rule, a cut down way. So if I catch you cutting someone down, and they always laugh when I say this, I'm calling you on the carpet. Why was I going to do that? Because I wanted to create a place that was more of blessing than cut down. And God does too. And he understands that these words, we all long to hear them. They, they just do something. What do they do? They can heal. They can lift up. They can motivate. There's a, a translation I once read of Job 4.4 where they said to Job, your words have put men back on their feet. Oh, man. And so God wants us to know that. And that leads to this next thing that I want you to see is that spoken or written words of affirmation benefit and build up when genuinely given. Spoken or written words of affirmation benefit and build up when genuinely given. I want to make sure I'm clear about this genuinely given. Some people will hear a message like this and say, okay, then my job today is to say something nice. Check. That's not what I mean. Friends, you and I have all met people that manipulate and exploit people with words. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about flattery. Oh, you look nice today. You don't mean it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about making sure we say things from the heart. That we understand that God, out of the overflow of love that he's given us, we want to pass on that same kind of spirit. So let's make sure we're genuine. But I also want you to know that when they are genuinely given, you never know how far they might go. They can benefit not just in the moment, but sometimes long after that. They can build up in the moment, but they can keep building up a person for years. Think about that. Kevin was still able to remember a conversation he heard years ago. And when you and I think like that, it can be powerful. Now look at Proverbs 12, 18, if you would, please. Here on the screen, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So notice that again, it can bring healing, it can build up, but also here's a verse I've been meditating on this week. It's Ephesians 4:29, And uh, would you read it out loud with me? It's always good for us to read God's word together and just hear it together. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, some of you uh, know, and maybe the English Standard Version says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Some of you have heard me speak on this verse before, that when I used to work in a grocery produce department, they used to have this really gross brown stuff that I'd see on peaches and other soft fruit that I called spew. And I talked about the Bible saying here, do not let any spew come out of your mouth. What? Why? Because it eats away at the good stuff. It eats away at the heart. It's death. That's why Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Oh my goodness. The power. You and I can actually corrupt someone. We can actually, by our words, put something that's infectious that starts to eat away at their heart and their motivation and their worth. But at the same time, 
as we're led by God, as we live out of his blessing, we can actually impart to someone a word of life. It can actually begin to strengthen their heart. It can motivate them from the inside out. They can live with a new sense of gratitude and purpose. And you and I can do that. But we need to understand that that's powerful. And so God wants us, and I just want to tell you, that word checked me this week. I found myself saying some careless words, some words that were not whole, that were not helpful, that were not beneficial. And so what's the solution then? To say a beneficial word like, I'm sorry, I was wrong. That's not who God says you are. See, those words then begin to bring back the rightness of what God wants to restore. So when you and I don't get it right, and we none of us always get it right, amen? Then we've got to learn how to say beneficial words, build-up words. Say, that was not a build-up word. I need to say a build-up word. This is who you really are, and I didn't take advantage of saying that to you. That's huge. That is huge. So if you're following along, here's what I want you to notice today. Spoken or written words of affirmation are often withheld or harmful ones prevail. Spoken or written words of affirmation are often withheld or harmful ones prevail. This means that sometimes people just never get around to saying them or because they're upset with someone or because they're just ticked off, resentful, they withhold those words. They go, okay, okay, I know how that works. I'm gonna give you the silent treatment or I'm not gonna say anything until you measure up to what I think you should be. And man, I'm telling you, that's just absolutely crushing at times to have that kind of working going on in a relationship. Look at this verse, Proverbs 3.27. It's just a good reminder to all of us. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. And so sometimes we withhold them. Sometimes we withhold them because we say, I'll wait till a really special time. I'll wait till later. And then that time never comes. You know, the truth is sometimes those words don't get said until a tragedy happens, until there's actually pressure in the moment where now all of a sudden we realize, oh my gosh, I better say it now. But we miss all the opportunities. We could say it along the way if we wait for just the right time. Today is a really good day to bless someone with a spoken word, right? And so, but then other times, actually what, what tends to rule the day, even in homes, maybe in our church family, sometimes even in the Nelson house, are harmful words, hurtful words, words that are derogatory. How, how does this happen sometimes? You know, ah, you did it wrong again. There you go. And I mean, it just, just takes the breath out of you. It takes the life out of you. Sometimes angry words. You better! You know, we get in angry, angry voices. Other times, empty words. I'm going to take you fishing one day. Yeah, we'll do that someday. Hey, I promise. Oh, man. Those kind of words are harmful. They, they don't mean anything, and they actually do more harm than good. And so God wants us to understand the power of words and also to take advantage of it. So if you're following along, here's what I want you to see, is that spoken or written words of affirmation, even though we love, we can clam up instead of speak up. 
Even though we love, we can clam up instead of speak up. Uh, again, I've had a number of different conversations with people over the years. They go, Jeff, I love my family. I love that friend. I just, I just don't know how to tell them. I'm terrible with words. Or I've tried before. Or, hey, I've done that before, and now they're expecting it all the time. And so there's, this, there's all kinds of reasons. The truth is, I found sometimes that instead of saying, I, I just use the excuse, I'm so tired, or I got so busy. Or other times, I just wake up the fact, I've been taking you for granted. I just presume that you're going to be amazing like that all the time. And we, would, we, we clam up instead of speak up. And so I want to give you some ideas of how to speak up instead of clam up. But what happens when parents or loved ones, friends don't speak the blessing? You know what I've noticed happens a lot of times in kids? Kids usually go to one of two extremes. They overachieve or they withdraw. If they don't hear words of praise, if they don't hear words of affection and love, then they look for it somewhere else, and they try and get it by performance. They try and say, well, I'll, I'll look for a way to get it somehow. And sometimes they go about it in self-destructive ways or in ways that even when they get it, it's not enough. And so there's this constant, what's going on? Or after a while, either the harmful words or the absence of words takes such a toll that I've watched some kids go, whatever. They give up. Apathy. Sometimes they become just like their parents, and all they do is say harsh words. Some of you know that all three of our kids now live in three different states, and so our youngest, our daughter, got married in November, and now she and her husband are in a Milwaukee suburb. So she got a new job. She's working for, yes, you know it, Chick-fil-A. And so... She, she uh, is working at this restaurant as the cultural developer. In other words, she's responsible to help the culture of that restaurant be healthy. But so part of it was the first few months is just to work in operations in all the different places on the floor. Well, one of the general managers in that is just like an army sergeant, like I like got a Nazi spirit kind of thing. And so like when Natalie walks in one of the first days, where'd you get that outfit? And she would refer to other team members as losers. And sometimes SOBs and things like that on the floor. And whoa, Nellie's going, ah, this is going to be trickier than I thought as far as the culture. <laughs> so we were talking at lunch and just said, okay, what would that look like? What do you need to know in order to bless this person? Is it possible that they never got that from their parents? Is it possible that they're passing on exactly what they heard? Is it possible that they're afraid? And so like if you try and say anything nice, they become more hostile because they're afraid of intimacy, but they also don't know how. They don't know how to receive it. I've had more employers tell me that they watch some of the people they hire. They struggle. They struggle to relate properly. They struggle how to handle criticism properly. They struggle of how to handle conflict properly because of this 
And one of the reasons my dad wanted to preach on this several years ago is because he just saw that even though he knew Christ, there was this constant thing that kept eating and pulling him back that until God helped him understand and heal that, he could not move forward. And so, friends, I don't know where you're at on this, but just know that that kind of thing is withholding can have tremendous effects. And if we put it off, if we clam up instead of speak up, it can have huge implications. One of the things that some of you have been asking about is what do I do if I never received the blessing from my parents and now they're deceased? What do I do? And there's a story I want to share with you. Some of you remember Rich Mullins. He was a recording artist. He wrote the song Awesome God in the 80s. He actually came to Cherry Hills in the 80s, and I had a chance to walk with him for two and a half hours, and he talked about how he was in counseling, and, and he was learning a lot about the grace of God. But you may not know his story. Some of you may have watched the movie or the DVD called Ragamuffin, which is based on him eventually meeting Brennan Manning, a spiritual director who helped him understand that the ragamuffin gospel is, is that God's grace can heal whatever's broken inside of us. But he writes this. This is what Brennan Manning writes in a book about Rich Mullins. Seven months before he died, I guided Rich on a three-day silent retreat at Chateau Vineyard, a resort 60 miles north of Atlanta. He was in a state of emotional turmoil because of unresolved issues with his family of origin, specifically his father. I still remember Rich telling me this, that when Rich began to play the piano, his tough farmer dad, Appalachian dad, started calling him a sissy. Like Henry Nouwen's dad, John Mullins loved his son but never told him so. He was truly proud of Rich's accomplishments, shared his deep affection for him with other members of the family, but failed to communicate his feelings to the one person who longed for his love. The two of us bonded here, Brennan Manning writes, because my experience with my father matched his. When a father's love is withheld, a child will struggle with issues ranging from shyness and insecurity to a profound and crippling shame over his very or his or her very existence. As Dennis Lynn notes, as an adult, he or she may find it hard to accept compliments and attention and may even feel like hiding. Often such a person, no matter how conscientious and successful, will feel like a fraud and fear being found out. Or on the other hand, they may compulsively seek compliments and attention throughout life without knowing why. During the retreat, I asked Rich to write a letter to his deceased father. The next day, I asked him to write a letter from his father to him. Rich resided in a chalet next to mine, and as he wrote, I heard sobbing and wailing so loud that I started crying myself. All John Mullen's pent-up affection exploded and came cascading into Rich's heart like a torrent of truth and love, and soon after, Rich came to my place and read the letter, tears streaming down his face. I wonder if someone may need to write a letter and share it with a trusted friend like that. Next, I asked Rich to write a letter to Abba. This was Brennan Manning's way of referring to Father God. Followed by a letter from Abba to him, I shall never forget our festive dinner on the last night of the retreat, his black eyes shining like onyx and his face creased in a radiant smile. He said simply, Brennan, I'm free. And here's the good news I want every person to hear that even if you never received it from your parents or somebody that you felt was important to hear it from, in Christ, you can know the blessing. 
so you can give the blessing. And that's what I want you to see next in the notes here. I want you to see this if you're following along, is that Jesus is the word and ultimate blessing God spoke. Jesus is the word and ultimate blessing God spoke. Where do you get your worth? Where do you get your value? Where do you begin to operate out of a sense of the proper sense of security? By knowing that the God who made you, the God who made you, loved you so much that even if you went your own way from him like I have, the Bible says we all have, that instead of allowing us to live out from underneath the blessing of that disobedience, that he sent his one and only son, that we might live under the blessing, and he spoke a blessing over us. Instead of the names maybe we've always thought of ourselves that we were called in school or called by our parents, he wants to write a new name on you that says, mine, mine. And that is a powerful thing if you're following along. Jesus is the word and ultimate blessing God spoke. Yes, you'll see out to the right, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Look at this, if you would, with me as we get ready for communion. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to who, friends? To us, by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe The sun is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, anybody need that? He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And the Bible tells us that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who has come from the Father, full of grace and truth. And the NIV and earlier translations used to say this in John 1, 16, right after that. And maybe you need to hear this today, but let's read it together. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Anybody feel like saying, thank you, God? Thank you, God. And then there's Galatians 3, 13 and 14 that we all need to be reminded because we, of our disobedience and because we've all broken the law of God, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree or a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham, remember the first week Pastor Gary quoted this, I will bless you and make you a great nation and through you all the nations of the world will be blessed. I will bless you and make you a blessing. That was what he promised Abraham. And now he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith, by trust, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. He wants you to know the blessing so you can give the blessing. Let me just say it simply. You matter to God. You matter to God. And he wants you to know the blessing so you can give the blessing. Someone says, well, can unbelievers give the blessing to their family members and friends? Yes and no. I'm thankful for every virtuous thing that happens in this world. 
I'm thankful for every good word that gets said to people. But if we don't ultimately point them to the blessing, our blessing is not complete. And we have good news, and that's why I appreciate Melody Brewer taking the blessing to people in Tanzania, and that's how you and I can share Jesus, the blessing with others, including our family members. But let me wrap this up. How do we practice the blessing? Here's a picture that I took this last week with my phone. Some, some of you may know that this last Sunday, after I got done preaching the three services, I drove six and a half hours out to Western Iowa, back to Harlan, Iowa, where I was a pastor for six and a half years. I'm not going back there to be a pastor. I just go back there to study because I can lay low and be quiet. And then also I can walk and I uh, and meditate on what I'm going to be teaching on both this Sunday and the future weeks. And so as I as I ran on this football field, um, Harlan has won a whole bunch of football championships. Small town of 5,000, but they've had a coach, same coach for about 30, 35 years. And so I got to be there in August, so they do two-a-days, two practices. So I'd watch them do all these catches and stuff, and I thought about all the drills they were doing. I watched the guy kick the field goals from every distance over and over and over again, and I thought to myself, that's a picture in order for us to really live out the lives that God wants us to know the blessing, we have to practice. And so this isn't about getting it right the first time. Some of us say, well, I don't want to do it unless I get it right every time, or I don't want to do it unless I get it right the first time. Good luck. The only way to live the Christian life is to practice it, friends. So how do we practice? And I don't know where you start today, but let's talk about that. If you're following along, determine what's my starting point with spoken words. What's my starting point with spoken words if you're following along? Now let me ask you to turn to the back of your notes again and just, this is something we did last week. I won't do this every week, but I just want you to think about this with me because nothing becomes dynamic until it becomes specific. So when you think about where you're starting, what did you experience with words in your family experience, your background? Did you experience primarily destructive words? Did you experience no affirming words? They just were withheld. They were absent in your family for reasons maybe you didn't fully understand. Or have, did you experience a measure, at least some, affirming words? That'll give you an idea of what you're starting. Friends, some of us in this church start on first base. Some of us start on third base when it comes to affirming words. And those of us that may have started on third base, we need to be really, really tender-hearted towards people that start on first base. Because, man, this is a huge learning curve. But I want you to know that wherever you're starting, God wants you to be gracious first with where you are, and he wants you to know he can help you get better at this. And as you get better in this, it'll make a difference in other people's lives, I assure you. The second thing you'll notice there is my own practice. What would people around you say that they experience mostly destructive words from you? Are you like passing on like that one gal at Chick-fil-A, the same thing, you know, that my daughter, you know, that, that she experienced from her family? Is there no affirming words coming out of your mouth lately? Do you know, is God talking to you about that? Or are you learning how to say affirming words, but he's saying, I want to help you keep getting better at this. Wherever that is, turn your notes back over to the other side. You can put X's, by the way, on those lines in your mind, if you will. But ask God, who do you want me to affirm with spoken words? Ask God, who do you want me to affirm with spoken words? I told you last week that maybe when it came to meaningful touch, that maybe it's someone usually right in, in the close circle of your family or close friends. 
It's usually the people nearest to you that's a good starting point to place. And sometimes we don't do that so well with our own family. Um, you know, dad and mom are right here, but I, I want to tell you that as I think about my dad's testimony of him not receiving the blessing from his dad uh, much at all, and that that was a struggle for him, uh, he told you that he saw that that kind of play into his being a dad. I was the oldest, and so I still remember some of the words that my dad would say to me when he was talking to me like his dad had talked to him. But do you know why I'm standing up here, why I believe in Jesus today? Because when God began to show him that he could be a different person and not have to pass on the same thing that had been passed to him, when my dad would sometimes call me a dummy, or when he would call me some of that, he would come back to me and say, would you forgive me? I was wrong. That's not what God wants you to know. And I'm telling you, that opened me to God in a way that I realized it wasn't about getting it right every time. It was about being led by God and learning how to say the things. And because he did that, it, it affected me. And he broke the chain. Does someone need to hear that today? God wants to break the chain right with you, perhaps. And man, it can make a difference for ripple effect for generations. The last thing I want you to see is this. Start small. One phrase or sentence, I can say or write. Here's what I've learned about myself is that sometimes if I needed to say something or I needed, I thought to myself, I'd work on it like it had to be huge and I'd have to write a long letter or I had to like make sure it was polished and perfect. And I noticed that by having those expectations, then I didn't do it or I procrastinated. And then I waste all this time when I could have actually written a whole bunch of short notes or I could have said at least a couple things. So here's what I wanted to think about. What are the phrase or sentence that maybe if you were to just practice this this week, heartfelt now, led by God, grateful for his blessing on your life, you were to be able to say some words like this. I love you. I appreciate you. Glad you're in the family. Glad you're on the team. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Would you forgive me? I'm so glad God made you. Whatever it might be, what if you, you, were to do that this week? Because you know the blessing, now you can give the blessing. He wants us to get better at this and he'll help us. Let me just pray before we take communion. Now, God, as we prepare to come to the communion table, <clears throat> meet us wherever we are. In your name we pray, amen.